<clears throat> Before we go any, any further, I'd like, you, I'd like to welcome you. We have quite a few first-timers here, so if you think you're the first one, uh, the only one, you're not the only one, there's quite a few. Welcome, thanks for joining us in this morning. We have a lot to celebrate, and uh, this morning we will be looking at... Uh, at uh, I'll, I'll tell you before I, I go into it how all this came about. I was sent a, uh, a uh, ten-page document of this uh, ethical group in uh, in Argentina that were trying to work out the role of women in church, and they asked me to correct it and uh, or to give my thoughts on it, and I came up with two pages of things that perhaps were not included, that should have been included. And when I shared that uh, with uh, some people, they said, well, maybe you should speak about that. And I had a long thought about that, and this is maybe three months ago since that happened, and I will take the opportunity today to speak not so much about mothers, but about women. So, uh, before we go any further, let's uh, pause for a prayer. Heavenly Father, as we have sent the children to Sunday school, we ourselves are in your school, in your Sunday school. We pray that you would speak to us through your word, through your spirit, just like we hope and ask you that you would speak to the children. Lord, we pray that you give us a heart and mind that would understand and comprehend your word, your purpose, your will. We pray wherever there's two or three gathering your name across the world, that you would be there also speaking to people. And Lord, yes, we thank you for the rain. May your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, we ask you and thank you. Amen. So, I... I do apologise. I'm not that important that I would not apologise because I may offend you this morning and it's not my uh, intention to offend you, yet uh, it's just the way things are. It is my opinion, it is my understanding what I'll be sharing, is how I read the Bible and uh, if you disagree, usually I give people a chance to lift their hands and disagree with me, not today. So I'll let you disagree with me, that's okay. You can text me, you can email me, you can call me, you can, uh, you can contact me, you can speak to me in any whichever form you want. If you have a, a different opinion, a different view, I would like to know because who knows, I might change my mind after all, I'm a human. I've done a service on this. I was just uh, looking at some notes 36 years ago, long time. So I have not spoken on the issue for 36 years. And you know, the essence, when I look at the essence, is very much the same. So please, if I exasperate you, if I upset you, don't throw stones at me yet. Uh, talk to me before you do any of that. So the, the topic this morning is about uh, women. And, and God. And I've got a, a line that I'd like to start with. This is a quote. Uh, this is uh, my own quote. Through a woman, the devil introduced humanity to sin. 
But God, through a woman, has given humanity the only Savior. So you can see right there the spectrum of what we are looking at, how wide this topic is, and I will not touch on the whole topic. I will try to undo some misconceptions that we have. That's all I'll try to do this morning. Some misconceptions that people have, humanity have, about women. And so let's get right into it. In Genesis 2.18, it says, uh, The Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. That word suitable is not in every translation because people didn't know how to translate it. However, in the translation I think it's there and it is in the original Hebrew. One thing incidentally that I noticed, and I'm not sure whether you noticed, that so far in the Bible, God has been saying and God saw that it is good. God saw that it is good to create the sun and the moon and the stars and animals and joeys. Well, thanks for bringing the Joey this morning. We have a jo- Brooke, I knew that you were keen. I didn't know that you were that keen. Um, uh, however, we can turn this into Noah's Ark. You can, you can bring... It's all good. Uh, I appreciate it. I think it's, it's a good part of caring for animals. However, so, uh, God said that it is good. It is all these things that are good, 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 good. What does it say here? No good. The first no good in the Bible. And who sees that it's no good? God. Adam doesn't know that it's no good. He's not that smart. He doesn't have the smarts to realize whether it's good or not what is happening. So God says, you know what? It is not good for Adam to be alone and I will make him a suitable helper. I'll deal with those two words in, in a moment. But uh, God sees that that, is, that, that that needs to happen. And so God creates a woman from his side, so he tells us, and he puts Adam to sleep. Yeah? It's interesting. Every big miracle that God does, people fail to see. Adam was asleep. He he did not see how God made a woman. And so the story goes that uh, they're they're in this beautiful place in a garden called Eden. And uh, and so they're enjoying life. And uh, a woman is supposed to be that helpful mate, the helpful person. It, it alludes to wisdom in the Hebrew. Again, I, I don't want to elaborate on that because I, I, I want to go straight to the misconceptions that we have. And uh, one thing for sure that uh, the woman in the Garden of Eden didn't realize that there was someone smarter than her. So she was made very, very clever, very smart. And guys, if you don't know by now, women are very clever. They think a lot faster than men. They have a better memory than men. They remember things a lot better than us guys. Uh, I don't know why God has blessed them with such a memory, especially with the wrong things that we guys can do. But, uh, but they do have a better memory. They process things faster and they have a more mechanical way of thinking, the process of practical way of life, a lot more. 
they can think of a lot more things at the same time. Uh, if you haven't heard a uh, uh, priest, a uh, Catholic priest, I reckon he's the best, in fact, he's the best priest that the Catholic Church has, uh, Espinoza. And you're going to laugh, he, he's, he's hilarious in how he presents it. But he says that uh, the men have got these boxes. We put everything in boxes. We, we, we men put, you know, we've got a box which is the footy box, and then we have the, the box of uh, doing the garden, and we have this box of, uh, and then we have the nothing box. Yeah, women don't understand that because they don't have a nothing box. Uh, but, but we have this box of nothing where we can just sit in, in front of the TV or in front uh, under it or anywhere and just think of nothing. Uh, but women, they are not like that. Their wires are all intertwined, they're buzzing. They're thinking about, uh, about, uh, about kids, they'll jump to the animals and they'll jump about work. And, and, and you, you, can be in any, you can be having dinner and everything just from one way to the other. And you can be intimate with, with, with your wife and there's just things are flying. Their mind does not stop. And thank you, Pastor or, or, uh, Father Espinosa, for explaining it to us. So women have been created very different and have been created wiser than men. I know we don't like that, but it's true. But the women didn't realize that there was someone smarter than her and there was a serpent. And so the serpent tricked the woman and women introduced humanity to sin. Genesis 3.16, then there is a curse. Uh, that happens after that. To the woman, God said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labour, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. Until then, the desire of the woman was not so much to the husband. And he will rule over you. He will tell you what to do. Interesting. So God does not create initially this idea that men should tell women what to do. I know that the wife is probably nudging. See, I told you that I should be telling you what to do. That was the intention in the beginning. And then he says uh, there was also something for the men in 3.12. Then the man said, uh, after when, when God comes searching for Adam, and, and Eve. And right here, God knew. He says, uh, he, he foretold. Because immediately the man says, not my fault. The woman that you put with me. I thought she was the best thing since last bread. If you read the whole chapter of Genesis 2, she is amazing. A man will leave his mother, his father, the, the inheritance, everything, forget about everything, and will go after the woman and he'll become one with his wife. That's how good she is. That's how beautiful she is. That's how smart she is. And now he says, you know what? And also he says, she's a woman. She's made from men. And then he says uh, to God, oh, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me. Not my fault. Yeah, she, she thought she was clever and look what she's done. She messed it all up. And that's exactly what God was telling to Eve that he will rule over you. He will try to design you. By the way, did you know that a lot more men break up marriages than women? Interesting. Interesting statistic. Genesis 3.17, and we just try to put this into perspective. 
Adam said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. This is what's going to happen now. Curse is the ground because of you. Through pain, painful toil, you will eat food from, from it all the days of your life. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the, uh, the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from there you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. I want you to remember those things that we talked about, Adam and Eve, the two curses, because I think that it's important of way, the way that we are today, our society, our culture, and also the church, of the way, the ideology of the church. However, we will now focus on women. And I'm going to present to you the ideal woman. I think that this woman is the ideal. I know some of you will disagree with me, and that's okay. Uh, keep your stones for later. But this is what uh, I think is a great, great woman. So let's put it there. It says that a woman, the ideal woman, should be faithful to her family, brings value to wherever she is, inspires confidence. Number four, dresses the whole family. Five, she's a fashion designer. She is business-oriented, manages home and work. She is a provider for the family, cares for the underprivileged. She's a real estate guru, knows how to make money. She's an investor. She is also strong. She is a hard worker. She is profit-driven. She is uh, a good manager. She is generous. She is confident. She has style. Supports and encourages family members. Knows how to laugh. Has words of wisdom. Good instructor. She's an overseer and an entrepreneur. I know the guys will be saying, some of those that are married, my wife is a far cry from that. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't want to interfere in your marriage. But I want to read where I got that from. Because that is not my idea. I thought that, you know, you probably think, oh, you know, this is Oscar. No, no, no. I'm going to read Proverbs 31. Because that's exactly what Proverbs 31 says. So I'll read it for you. You can read it alongside with me. <clears throat> and see if those things that I put there are true. 31, I'll start from verse 10. It says, A wife of noble character... Who can find? She is worth more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing in value. Wow, this is a woman we're talking about. She is good. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with her eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for the family and portions for her female servants. She also is an employer. 
quite amazing, this woman, yeah? I mean, this is not perhaps the type of woman that we are all that used to. An entrepreneur, a business like an international trade with sheep merchants. She considers a field and buys it. This is a real estate part. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's an entrepreneur. She starts a business. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable. She is profit-driven. She's not just a charity organization, but she is charitable, but she makes sure that there is money in it too. Yeah? The husband says, honey, I told you the credit card is not a good idea. You should be looking at depositing more than withdrawing. Uh, but it's not so. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamb does not go out at night. In her hands, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arm to the poor. She's generous and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. I'm going to pause here for a moment. In scarlet? Is the woman going to close the family in scarlet? Who in the right mind will close the whole family in scarlet? You know what color scarlet is? Can you put it up there for me, please? Oh, well, that's not a good picture there. <laughs> it's red. The colour red. Who in the right mind can understand one child can be dressed in red? The whole family dressed in red? Is that what it's talking about? It's talking about clothing? No. I think that she's talking about something else. She's talking to bring the whole family to salvation. Bringing life to people. Bringing to the source of life. Bringing the family to God, to Christ who is going to wash the whole family in his blood for salvation. Somewhat prophetic, yeah? That's what he's talking about. Have you not read it? Or have you misread it? Have you not thought about it? Hmm, interesting. This woman is quite something to be reckoned with now according to the word of God. She is more than just someone who cooks a meal and cleans the floor. <clears throat> So we go to 31, 22. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. She's got style. Incidentally, maybe I shouldn't go into this. This is maybe sideline. Clothed in linen and purple. This royal clothing. That's what he's talking about. She is a queen. Not just the queen of the home. I think he's talking about more than just the queen at home. This is how God considers to be a woman. Uh, another topic for another day. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders. So she is working. She is slaving her guts. She is working at night. She gets in the morning. She's trading real estate. She's giving to the poor. She's making sure that the family is fed. She's closing the family. Where is her husband? Christ, wonderful. Sitting at the city gate. Bring it up. Wives, have you got any husband that sits at the city gate? You know, thinking about the nothing box. 
You know, sitting there doing nothing, finished, finished all the work. The weeds might be that high, but that's okay. No problem, I finished, not my job. You know, the wife maybe should jump on it. You know, get the lawnmower. What is it saying here? Who is the hero here? Hmm. Something to think about, huh? She watches all of the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She is not useless. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also. And he praises her, so he should. I reckon she has, he has got a wonderful woman. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honour her for all that she or her hands have done. And let her works bring her praise at the what? Can you please say it again? At the city gate. Who is at the city gate? What is her husband doing? What is she doing? She's working. She couldn't possibly be sitting at the city gate. Yeah? So what he's saying here, hey guys, yeah? When the people should tell their husband that at the city gate that he is a lucky guy, that he is there because of his wife, because she is clever, because she's slaving, because she's hardworking, he can sit around. Yeah? The praise be to him, not to him, praise be to her, even at the city gate. I know that perhaps not all husbands are like that, but what it's saying here, but sometimes we get the things wrong. He the writer of, the, of this proverbs, of this, uh, of, of this uh, poetry, is incidentally hinting that humanity somehow perhaps got it wrong. He uses the two extremes to, to show that maybe God's intention wasn't this scenario. And this scenario, sadly, is a scenario in many, many countries, not necessarily in our culture, but in many countries around the world. Women, slave, work hard. They're treated like rubbish. And have no honour. And God is saying, it is not right. So let's go back to the, to the next slide. So if you were to look at it, in fact there is a lot more than the list that I put there. I encourage you to go and, and do your own, um, your own uh, research about how much she does and how much he does. However, this is not about him. We're not talking about him. We're talking more about her. And so when um, in the Bible it says, and let's go now to the theology of what we are here talking about, the phrase is suitable for him, corresponding uh, to him from the Hebrew uh, Kenigdo, that literally means according to his opposite. Mm. So, this relationship is going to work according to God if you have two opposites. Don't be frustrated if your spouse is the opposite of you. In fact, that's a good thing. You can make it work. Is the total opposite. And 
Can you imagine if my wife was like me? Thank you. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I would live in a pile of stuff everywhere. But thank God gave me a wife that is very neat, very tidy, very organized. So I don't have to worry about those things. I can worry about other things that she doesn't have to worry about. That was the whole idea about this uh, having a person that it was not good for Adam to be alone. So let's go now to the other part of, of the, the theology of, of, of the helper. The creation of the female was for the welfare of the male. She was not to be she was to be a helper, not a slave. She was not so in fact what Proverbs is saying, if you read it carefully, it's saying there is an imbalance here. She's doing all the work. She's doing, even doing his work. So when we praise this woman, let's not say, wow, look at Proverbs 31. Let's have a look at the other side as well. There is an imbalance. This is not right. It is not good. As it was not good for a man to be alone. It is not good. This scenario of a woman being a slave. The Hebrew term for etzer, helper, is used to describe the function of the female to the male. She's supposed to be a helper. But not a helper in giving you a hand. You know, I like to employ my wife when I'm doing something. You know, I'm there with a hammer and a nail. And can you pass me this? And because I'm, you know, maybe standing up. And so she becomes my helper. This is not the helper. This is a different type of helper. But this term is used by God himself. He's the helper. And uh, they use... Of this term elsewhere in the Old Testament confirms that this was not a demeaning term. It is used for God himself in Exodus 18.4, in Deuteronomy 37, 33.7, 1 Samuel 7.12, Psalms 20.20, 20, Psalms 46.1, who is described or describing God to be the helper. So when you look at God as a helper, how do you see him? Do you see someone that's giving you a hand or you see someone that is wholly helping you to accomplish what you cannot accomplish? I'm sure that is the second one and not the first one. I want to bring some context here. Because I think that God thinks a little bit different about women than what we do. I'm somewhat maybe convinced. Maybe. I wouldn't say I'm totally convinced. Because I'm not sure that I've got the monopoly on this. Which I know that I don't. But the most remarkable things that ever happened in history were achieved by women. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> what was achieved by women? As far as we know in history, where a one single woman, no, no, I'm not talking about one single man, one single woman stood up to a whole empire. Do you remember which ones? Sorry? Esther. Esther, yes, Esther. We'll get to Esther in a minute. Uh, Rahab. 
the Egyptian princess. Pharaoh said, kill all the boys. What does the princess say? say? No, I'm going to take this boy home. I'm going to find finding his mother, his Hebrew mother. Define the soldiers, define Pharaoh, define the whole Egyptian empire. One woman. That's what it takes. We have about Queen Esther. The whole Jewish nation is about to be destroyed. There is not one man can stand up. But Queen Esther puts her life on the line to say this is wrong. And she stands up to the might of the Persian Empire. To a place where the laws could not be changed. She knew that the law could not be changed. This is the most unusual empire. And she says, I know that the law is against me. I know that the empire is against me. And I know that people are against me. But you know what? I will stand up to it. I will put my life on the line. A woman. Claudia Procula. How many know who Claudia Procula is? Hmm. She stood up to the might of Rome. She was the only one. There was no one else that stood up to the might of Rome. Remember when Jesus is being crucified? There is no Peter standing up for him. There is no John. There is none of the people, none of the men. They all went into hiding. And Claudia Procula, the wife of Pontius Pilate, she stood up and she told Pontius Pilate, don't do it. You are wrong. She's standing up to the Roman and the might of of Rome to the whole Roman Empire. A woman. She was risking her life by saying that. There were many women that were in leadership. Ooh. Maybe this is a bad word to use. Many women in leadership throughout history. Yes. Queen Nefertari, Queen Nefertiti, uh, Queen Hatshepsut. Maybe we haven't heard much about those women, but they were in leadership. Miriam, Deborah, Queen Esther. I know Jezebel and, and Thalia, they were terrible women, and that's why we shouldn't have women in leadership. No, nonetheless, they were leaders. And all this went through the ancient times. And one of the very last ones to be in leadership was Cleopatra. And Incidentally, that didn't suit Rome and they disposed of Cleopatra. Why? Because in the olden days, in the ancient times, women were a little bit more prominent than in the times of the Greeks. The Greeks, women was only a goddess, a sex symbol, nothing else. Because in, 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 uh, in Greece, the Greeks and the Romans were up here. Men. Hercules. Yeah. Achilles. We're strong. We can do it. We don't need women. Women are nothing. They should sit at home. They're not going to go into battle. They're not going to do any of these things. It's just it. Goddess. Nothing else. And because the power shifted from Asia, so from the Babylonians, Egyptians, and Persians shifts to Europe. The empires of the world shift to Europe, to Greece, and to Rome. And that's why the European mind, the Sedma, still has not changed and thinks that women are not suitable for any type of leadership. 
We have a European mind. We have inherited that. I know that some of you will say, oh, well, what about Apostle Paul? Would you love to hear about that? No, not me, another time. It's another topic. <laughs> but Jesus first appears to a woman. What does this all mean to us? How do we unpack all this? Well, let me go back to the beginning. Dealing with the curse of Eden. What did, what did God say to... Um, is this on? Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, you got to give me more than What did God say to Adam? What was the curse? Yes. The ground would be, uh, he'd have to toil the ground. Okay, so his curse was you're going to work the ground, you're going to toil hard, thorns and thistles will grow. Where is uh, many Proverbs? Is he working the ground? Maybe not. Yeah. And what uh, did God say to the woman? What was the curse? And what else? <laughs> and man will rule over you. Thank you. So, this is a biblical thing. Man will rule over you, women. Yeah? And we have to listen to the Bible. That's, it. That's biblical. That's what we say. Yeah? Rule. Man must rule over women. If this is so biblical, I'm going to give you some seeds, some thorns, and thistles so you can take them on and plant them in your backyard because that's the same curse, is it not? That's the same thing. God said, thorns and thistles will grow in your ground and you have to try to eradicate them. By the way, Monsanto became one of the most powerful organizations in the world, one of the most powerful businesses selling pesticides, selling herbicides, trying to kill and eradicate thorns and thistles. And if we spend so much money in trying to eradicate thorns and thistles, why we don't spend money to eradicate this idea? It's the same curse, yeah? Of women, of men ruling over women. My question, if you got the answer, please answer it, not now. Can you see how wrong it is? And we use the Bible, we say, but it's biblical. Yeah, and the Bible says a man will rule over women. And therefore... No women in leadership. Have we not read it? By the way, this idea of being a helper, and I said that this is a term that God uses. Psalm 46.1 God is your refuge, your strength, and ever-present help in trouble. That's the way it's said. For the women, it was designed. That's, that's it. She was supposed to be an ever-present help in times of trouble. However, Adam failed. He failed. I need to finish. Time is over. But I want to finish with this. God knows that all this is wrong. God knows that this is all upside down. And he wants to fix it. He wants to fix it for men and for women. And therefore, Jesus became the better Adam. Where Adam failed, Jesus became 
the Adam. And when women have failed, God Himself has become our Etzer, our Ezra, our helper. <coughs> because that God doesn't want this. This is, this is not good. This is not right. And He's come to show us a way of how this going So, that's why we are here. That's why we people uh, of the Bible, people that read the Bible, we are standing up and saying, you know what, we made a mistake, it's wrong. But thanks to Jesus, He is showing us a better way. And it's also God Himself is showing us that He is the helper, that He still wants the original plan to go ahead. He doesn't want humans to perish. He doesn't want human relationships to go pear-shaped. He's here to fix them, to help men and to help women. Uh, I'm going men and women, uh, you're all sitting together here. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, uh, living in the past. However, my wish is that the spirit of the living God gives you wisdom as men and women to actually look at this and try to fulfill what God has originally intended. And that is a sense of equality, that not one is higher than the other. And you would say, yeah, but Apostle Paul said that a man is the head of the woman, just like Christ is the head of the church. And so what did Christ do for the church? He died. Thank you. I think we'll leave it at that. May the Lord bless you and give you wisdom of how to live with your husband and your wife. Women, we celebrate you. Thank you for all that you have done and you're doing. And you're doing an important job. And I think that you can do even a lot more. May the Lord give you wisdom and strength. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for creation. We want to thank you for creating us human beings. And we're sorry that we messed it up. And we apologize to you and we apologize to each other as human beings. And we apologize to women for all the wrongdoings. And we pray for all the women that are being oppressed across, across planet Earth. That you would bring freedom and joy and sins. And we pray that you would come quickly to liberate us from the clutches, from the shackles of wrongdoing, of the shackles of sin. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your goodness, and your grace. For in your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Amen.